I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM640. You're listening to The John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. on the radio from 1 to 4 and then after 4 o'clock the radio show becomes this podcast it's the same show Johnny Ken On Demand you can hear it anytime uh, tonight and all weekend long now we have an update on an update last hour we told you the breaking news they are going to charge a felony against the man that attacked Rebecca Peterson in Long Beach a couple of weeks ago while she was walking down the sidewalk came up from behind like 2 in the afternoon with his pants down picked up her dress knocked her to the ground remember that whole story well, it was charged as a misdemeanor by the L.A. County DA's office. We now understand it is going to be changed to a felony. The update on the update is that Rebecca cannot join us next hour because they told her until this is done, we prefer you not to mess with the case. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we will probably talk to her Monday, Tuesday. I don't know, whenever they make it formal. Okay. We'll play so, along. I guess she just wanted to break okay. the news to us, and I can clearly see she's probably glad that that's happened, but how she can't publicly speak about it. How much blowback do you think Gascon's office got over this one? Uh, uh, anybody that saw that video, uh, well, that's the key there. There was a couple of videos that you could see of the attack. Do you think he got uh, more support for his reelection after declaring that a misdemeanor? You're right. They probably did some quick polling, and someone <laughs> said, eh, we need to revisit that decision. <laughs> Because it got a lot of media attention. I think all the local TV stations covered that story in some fashion. I, as Long Beach right now is being overrun well, with because, uh, homeless people wandering around. You know, he and his staff, they're very sensitive and prickly about the way he's covered. They get really irritated by all this criticism. It doesn't stop him. Because they but, think they're on the right, righteous path. I know. And yeah. but, so they saw all the coverage. I mean, it was just run endlessly on television for several days. And then all over again after they announced it's a misdemeanor. And she's doing these incredulous interviews. 
all over radio, television, and and yeah, she's been great. Uh, she's, I mean, you often hear the TV reporters say, "Well, to protect the victim, we're not going to identify him." She said, "No, you can give me, you can put my name out there. I want to speak about this." Well, she already got attacked on video, and it made the lead of all the newscasts. I mean, right? But people don't know her name to find her and try to talk to her. And, anyway, and can you? So, I mean, whose idea was this? Directly from Gascon or one of his stupid lieutenants? The public defenders that surround him and kiss his ass all day? God. All right. We turn our attention once again to that story from last month of the Alaska Airlines pilot who hitched a ride on another flight. And he got to be in the cockpit jump seat. And then, uh, well, he tried to kill the engines. And then we heard that he may have been on magic mushrooms. Well, there's a new development in the story. Let's go to Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI to find out what it is. Alex. Hello there, guys. So, yeah, now uh, three passengers uh, who all live in the Bay Area, they are they, fi- they filed the uh, the first lawsuit in this case that anytime there's an aviation incident or accident, there are law firms that, that this is what they do. And, and so they're going for class action status and they are claiming emotional distress for what they went on on board that plane. And to, to go back a little bit, you remember it was October 22nd. They were going Everett to San Francisco. They had been in flight for a while, and the flight crew said that that off-duty pilot sitting in the jump seat, Joseph Emerson, he had been acting totally normal, making small talk with them, and out of nowhere, he said, I'm not all right, or something to the effect of that, and got up and tried to pull those handles, didn't get them all the way down, got them a little bit down to kill the engines on board. Then there was a fight in the cockpit. They got him out, and then he went for the emergency exit door, allegedly, and a flight attendant was able to pull him back and put handcuffs on him. And then they got on the ground in Portland, emergency landing, and he was hauled off by police. He's been in jail since then. He's on suicide watch right now and not allowed to, to bail out state charges and federal charges. Two different cases against him. 84 counts of attempted murder that he is facing for allegedly trying to kill everybody on board. And those who were on board said, you know what? This was stressful that they knew something they didn't know exactly what was going on but it was really bad on board this guy was on it he was a little dead in the eyes he was a little it seemed to be in shock they searched his bag they put him in the truck and we kind of had no idea what was going on and they say the most shocking part was once they got on the ground in portland and then they saw the guy coming off in handcuffs with police had a pilot's badge around his neck a, a credential around his neck and they couldn't believe that. it was definitely scary seeing him walk out with that lanyard it's not just some crazy person off the street like that's a trusted person oh, at oh, the airline so now time out. Lo- wait wait yeah. time out yeah so they want money because they were they want scared money scared after these this character was pulled off the plane. Yeah, so it, they say emotional distress. <laughs> um, they want their tickets paid for and all of that, but then they want an uh, whatever the court would decide the appropriate amount of money are they, are they for emotional distress. Now the other thing that they are asking for is they want Alaska Airlines to, and I think everybody would say that's not a bad thing to institute mental health screening and. The other uh, procedures for flight crews. The problem is there's a lot of union rules that get involved there and FAA rules, and well, that's not Alaska saying they don't want to do that. That's the, the but, there are reasons why airlines can't do more just because of all the I, rules around it. But the other claim that they are making here is they say that Alaska should not have ever allowed him on board that plane or into the cockpit when he was depressed and hadn't slept. Now, the issue would be... How would you know that? that well, they're exactly that. That Alaska <laughs> says that the agents boarding at the, the gate, 
Saw nothing wrong with him. He checked in like any pilot, showed his ID, was nice, got walked down the jetway, went into the cockpit, checked in with the, the captain. Technically, if you're jump seating, you have to ask for permission from the captain. And captain said, sure, no problem, and sat there and chit-chatted most of the flight with the cockpit crew. And then something snapped and had what he described to police to be a nervous breakdown in that moment and said he felt like he was in a video or in a movie and uh, had been asleep and was trying to wake up, and that's why he pulled on those things. So to claim that the airline should have known when the crew says they didn't see anything, so the gate said they didn't see anything, unless there were some warning signs out there or somebody had seen them taking magic mushrooms or appearing depressed or he had told somebody, I don't know how they would have known. I, but they have, they do have pretty hectic schedules sometimes, don't they? They do. They they do, yeah. But had there been another crew member maybe that said, you know, oh, yeah, he told me that he was having a really rough time or I knew he had been up for two or three. Well, then maybe you'd have something there. The issue, though, is they're going to go for class action status here. There were 84 people on board. Likely more are going to say, yeah, I want to get oh, in on that. I'm traumatized, too. And oh. then typically these things get settled out of court and everybody gets some money because – the company well, that that's being sued doesn't want to go all the way through trial and and you, could, and, you know make it go forever so they well, get money you but, could but tell knows. which adults were overcoddled overprotected children that never encountered any kind of um uncomfortable and some people moment. are just litigious well yeah, some, some, but the first guy talking he just sounds like a wiener but at the same time, if you did almost get murdered by a pilot, you might say, hey, look, you know, I'll do, do a little something, something uh, you know, send it over my way. Isn't anybody then happy it's that It's not nothing... about money, John. It's about trying to prevent this from happening in the future. You can't. That's impossible. That's people uh, for a perfect world nonsense. You, <laughs> are they yeah. still short of pilots, uh, Alex? They, uh, the they are. They, they need uh, all the airlines need pilots. Sure, and... they're hiring drug addicts now. No, no, no. Um, Mushroom men. Yeah, well, I mean, especially the regional carriers need yeah. them, and this was the regional carrier of Alaska Airlines, oh, owned yeah. by Alaska, but but Horizon Air still says Alaska on the side, but it's the the regional carrier, the smaller, you know, the the ones that fly for United Express, right. and uh, and in this form, the smaller plane, the Embraer 175 for Alaska. That these are the the regionals. Yes, they uh, they need so, pilots, but in this case, those weren't the pilots that allegedly did this this was a captain from mainline who flies a 737 who was going back home and going to work that uh, it was the the mainline you, uh, guy who allegedly carried this out you can't tell when somebody's depressed a lot of times they don't talk they keep their problems to themselves that's yeah I mean, the allegation that's, here that's, that, that's that he, didn't, he showed no sign of it although his wife says that she knew but did the airline know there's no sign of it all right, Alex, thank you so much for that report. What? You got it. Thanks, guys. You were, I mean, we were been doing the story for over a week about the uh, shooter in Maine, right? Yes. And every police agency in Maine knew that he was capable of uh, shooting up well, he dozens of people. He nice. said he would. <laughs> you know, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the Army base in Maine, the National Guard in Maine, the Sheriff's Department, the local police, uh, his friends. They all knew no. he was going to shoot up something, and nobody was even tried to stop it. You think you can pick out who's on magic mushrooms? That's not possible. There's nothing to stop all of this, and we just should pray that we're not going to be there when it happens. Yes, I, that that's mass it. Mass shootings, planes going down. There's, not, there's nothing you can do. We're not capable of, of ferreting these guys out. See, it's impossible.
It's just I, a scam to shake money out of Alaska. Uh, as soon as we return, you'll have a chance to win some money with another keyword. Coming up after 2.30, we're going to talk to defense attorney Lou Shapiro because FBF, SBF was found guilty. Sam Bankman freed. People are calling him FBF. FBF. He's SBF. Anyway, that's, of course, the collapse of FTX, uh, the uh, Bitcoin company. So uh, we'll find out the details behind this. But he was convicted on all seven counts he faced. It was breaking news last night. We'll get more on that after 2.30 with Lou. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. All right, the big news last night is that a jury uh, found Sam Bankman-Fried guilty on all counts involved in that fraud behind FTX, the company that he uh, founded. We'll talk to defense attorney Lou Shapiro after the news at 2.30 for details on the case. But I don't think they uh, deliberated too long. No. They came up with these uh, Just a few drugs. hours. Just a few hours. <laughs> so obvious. Uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a criminal. He had everybody fooled. What about those parents? Are they going to be hauled oh, in too? Man, I read a long article about his parents. We can get into later, but they were, uh, uh, you know what? They Stanford were, weren't they? They were these two Stanford weenie law professors, right? And they were always had an attitude about rich people. In fact, his father uh, was uh, like a tax expert and helped write legislation to try to gra- close tax loopholes on the rich. <laughs> and then they got a whiff. They ended up rich, yeah. They ended up getting a whiff of their son's uh, money, and they were all in. Uh, Dad was a big advisor. Mom was doing work, and they were, and he was giving them millions of dollars, and they were really enjoying life. They suddenly, they suddenly had no problem with being rich, and neither one of them can believe. Neither one of them believes that their son is guilty. They're absolutely devastated. Yeah, it says here FTX sued Bankman Fried's parents. It's Joseph Bankman and Barbara Fried to recover millions of dollars in gifts and real estate. You're a classic set of left wing professor phonies. Yeah, anti rich, not rich people don't pay their taxes, blah, blah, blah. They want to do good for the world. And and look, they, they raised the biggest crook imaginable. I mean, just astonishing. And now he's facing 100 years in, in prison. Yeah, and you, you look at him, too, though, you think he's just like a, a goofball. And you don't really take him seriously, but, you know, he, that, that was, <laughs> that was a lot turn. of money that went down the drain. And he knew that, too, because uh, some, uh, you know, another guy, business guy would say, you know, you really got to cut your hair and wear a suit. He goes, no, I want people to think of me this way. Ah. That he looks so. like this. Uh, this they couldn't have pulled this off or right. something? Exactly. Okay, okay. This this guy's a genius, but he's out to lunch, you know. He's wearing shorts and a T-shirt. It's got yeah, wild Yeah, it's just hair. an absent-minded mistake. That's right. So they trust him. It, like, played to the... You can trust him. Because he's just like a little kid in, with this genius bot, genius brain that he's got. You know All what right, well... Uh, of course, we've been talking about the situation down in the neighborhood of Long Beach. It's been overrun by homeless people, including the man that tried to sexually assault a woman by the name of Rebecca Peterson. And again, she told us that it looks like that will be upgraded to a felony by the L.A. County D.A.'s office. But we'll have to get more details on that. Probably Monday we get a chance to talk to her because it has not been officially done yet. I had a feeling when I heard this story yesterday morning, because really, what does it take when you hear about somebody that's got a weapon and the police have to shoot them, don't you think right away, oh, 
it's just not something random. It's probably a homeless person. Uh, this happened up in Calabasas in a parking lot of a restaurant called the Sagebrush Cantina. Here's a story from NBC4 reporter Lauren Coronado. We now know that the man police shot at was believed to be armed with a machete and a knife at one point. This again, where that deadly shooting happened. And we have a good timeline of what led up to the shooting. It stemmed from reports of what police now call a machete attack outside McDonald's off Valley Circle a little after 7.30 last night. When officers arrived, they spotted a man with a knife running off. One witness shared cell phone video of the man running down Calabasas Road and into the Sagebrush Cantina parking lot. It's a popular restaurant here in Old Town, Calabasas. Our team spoke with a customer who had just parked when multiple LAPD units followed in after him warning to get inside. I got inside and um, yelled to everybody else what the, the message was from the LAPD was to get down, get down. And you're hearing gunshot and you just, uh, yeah, you get a little bit, uh, you get very nervous, get very nervous. So you get down on the ground and eventually the gunshots are over. Prior to those shots being fired, police say officers deployed a taser twice while the wanted man was holding a glass bottle and knife. It didn't stop him. Refusing commands, he continued into the restaurant patio, and that's when officers fired. The man, who was believed to have been in his 50s, was rushed to the hospital where he died. No officers were injured, and the person who police say was hit with the machete near McDonald's is doing okay. Detectives collected the machete and knife from both locations involved. Again, Calabasas Road here along the 101 is back open for early morning commuters. And I do want to let you know that that sagebrush area is still blocked off as the investigation continues. So you think about it now, uh, you know, you could go into a department store or a mall and watch the criminals run by who are going to do a smash and grab. Now you can end up in a restaurant or a store where a vagrant with a machete mm-hmm. is running around. I mean, mm-hmm. this is life. <laughs> In L.A. County. In L.A. County. Right, yeah. because they will not put the mental patients and drug addicts and criminals uh, in jail or in a mental oh, but, institution. But, they won't but, do it. But Care Court is coming, John. Care Court. Newsom's big plan to do conservatorship. What if you were going to bail homeless? What do you think the odds are that this is the biggest bust, this Care Court? Did you see that story that they're, they're moving it up to December? They're going to start with the pro. They're, like a, they're way ahead of schedule in L.A. County, and they think they're ready to implement the mm. care court. And again, that means a family member, I guess in some cases, people involved in the mental health care system can go to a judge and get uh, you sent how, for treatment. How many will? How no, many How really many of these question. guys? I, I think a lot of these guys. I mean, you and I could get in a car, drive around and point out the people that need to be taken in. It's pretty oh, sure. obvious most of the time. Oh, you guy babbling to himself we, on we, a street corner, yelling could, at nobody. We could pick up hundreds. You just go to any encampment under any freeway and you could get 50 to 100 right there because they're all nuts. The thing is, their family doesn't care about them. No, they're probably far away. You know, I mean, I've never had, obviously, anything like this in, in my family. But I could see a point where you're dealing with a guy who's mentally ill or he's a drug addict and he's been... Uh, oh, you've had enough. You know, you've had enough. And it's like... you know, Oh, you, I think of that all the time. Just go and die under a tree. So leave us alone. And then you know you're going to get a call someday and it's like, oh, well, he, they finally found him dead in a gutter somewhere. It's like, oh, what are you going to do? Wow. Because that, that's true. What are you going to do? I mean, not all lives are worth... Really, not all lives are worth saving. They're not all worth fretting over. If a guy spends, you know, years and years, a decade or two 
uh, destroying his brain with with drugs and booze and 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 hurting other people and just and and there's there's it's like you got to let him go. Yeah, but you just sometimes forget about feel it. bad if they're paranoid schizophrenic or they have some other you know, type yeah of brain disorder. So yeah, uh, well, it would help if we had mental health centers to put them away and put them away for real, not just here. Try to remember, take this pill twice a day. Why am I taking this pill? It's because you're really crazy. No, I'm not crazy. Oh, jeez. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll talk to uh, Lou Shapiro, defense attorney, about uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. He was found guilty on all seven counts he faced. Of course, he's the man behind the collapse of FTX, and uh, he faces up to 110 years. That's the maximum prison sentence uh, for his crimes. Uh, That's next. Johnny Ken. KFI AM 640 live everywhere iHeartRadio app. More than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies, I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael to the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, KB Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. On the radio from 1 until 4, then after 4 o'clock, John and Ken On Demand, the podcast. It's the radio show as a podcast, and you can listen to it anytime you want, today, tonight, all weekend long. Or anything we've done this week or this month. Any, or this anything year. we've done this week. That's yeah. right. You can follow it all. All right. So now we're going to visit the uh, big story from last night, the announcement that a jury in New York didn't spend much time in convicting Sam Bankman-Fried. The former FTX founder of all seven counts he faced uh, just a few hours is all they took. The trial itself was a month long. In fact, Bankman Free took the stand in his own defense. And of course, you don't know FTX is the cryptocurrency uh, company that uh, well, is in bankruptcy and receivership now and trying to uh, 
reconstitute itself, but uh, Bankman Freed used a whole lot of depositors' monies to make uh, really crazy investments that went south. Let's bring on defense attorney Lou Shapiro to talk more about the legal aspects of this case. Lou, welcome. How are you? Hey, good to be back with you guys. Good afternoon. All right, so the basics, as I understood the case, is uh, he had FTX, which was his uh, his uh, crypto company, right? And he was taking money out of FTX and putting it in Alameda and uh, making wild investment bets on, on other crypto and uh, lost a lot of his uh, investors' money. Is that the, the gist of it? Yeah, that's a pretty good summary of it. And obviously the investors didn't know that money that they were putting in pot number A was going into pot number B. Yeah, FTX was supposed to be almost like a bank in that people put money there in order to facilitate trades with various cryptocurrencies, right? And it was supposed to be right. in their account for them to do as they wish. Right, and they would get a, a return on their investment uh, the longer they held on to it in there and so forth. Exactly. And... Uh well, how is how is this different than, and I'm pretty naive maybe, that banks, you know, you put your deposits in a bank and then the bank goes out and makes loans with your money and stuff like that so they can make profits? I mean, wasn't what was Bankman-Fried doing with the depositors' money that's so different from that? Good question. The difference is when we put money into a bank, we know going into it that the bank is going to use that money, as you said, to make other loans and so forth. It's in the fine print when you open up an account. It's all there. Bankman Freed did not disclose to the investors that that money itself was actually going to be used for other means and purposes. That's where the fraud was in the case. I don't know if it was my imagination. He and his lawyers didn't seem to have much of a defense for this. He, I mean, it's clear he <laughs> Well, he did took this. the stand, though, which is unusual. I but. know, but when he finally took the stand, he really didn't have much to refute it. It was a lot of I don't know, I don't remember. Look, it's the kind of case that there was no deal to be made because any deal would have set him up for numerous years in prison, given the loss amount. And that's what the United States federal sentencing guidelines really goes by. So for them, there really wasn't much to lose by going to trial, putting it out there. The idea was that it wasn't intentional, that he, he's young, that he made mistakes, that he was in over his head. That was the best they had to go with, and that's what they rolled with. The jury obviously didn't go with it in the end. And I guess, did other FTX employees cooperate here to make this tougher for uh, Sam Bankman-Fried? Yeah, when all your close friends and colleagues crumble around you, it certainly not only takes a legal hit on you, but also an emotional hit. And he was basically last man standing here on an island on his own. So it was just dying a slow death the whole trial. It was sort of a foregone conclusion. But, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, well... Let's see what they got. Maybe there's maybe he's more sympathetic or compassionate than most people think. But as we see in the end, the jury was very quick to convict. Only a few hours over multiple counts and over a long trial. I mean, these were his longtime friends, his his girlfriend. They all lived together. Uh, they were all romantically involved with each other, and they all <laughs> dropped the hammer on him to stay out of federal prison, or at least stay out from uh, a long uh, sentence. Well, look, most people don't even know this, but the big difference between state prosecution, which is more people are familiar with than federal, this is a federal case, and the federal law actually codifies snitching. Under Section 5K1 of the Sentencing Guideline Manual, it says that somebody who cooperates with the government can get a lighter sentence. So it is encouraged 
and oftentimes in federal cases, that's what the defendants are left to do. And that's what they did in this case, to save their skin. And we'll see what they get at their sentencing versus banks and free. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal says that they'll probably appeal this. And one of the uh, bases for their appeal is that they weren't allowed to present to jurors testimony that Bankman-Fried relied on the blessing of lawyers to make some of his business decisions. Do you think there's any grounds to that? Well, yes, it's all it's commonly known as the advice of counsel defense. And when they tried explaining it to the judge, and Bankman-Fried even took the stand uh, at one point, in, not in the presence of the jury, to articulate what he would testify to, uh, the trial judge felt that it did not meet the standard of advice of counsel, that what he said was not specific enough to meet that. So that's why he didn't let them argue it. I don't think it's going to be very fruitful on appeal because the trial judge did do a thorough analysis of it in making that ruling. Well, because this case was simple. I mean, obviously, the jury understood it. I wondered, because there's no way to watch all the details of a case like this, I wondered if it got so complex, the average juror just all flew over his head, right? But as you laid out the case, it was pretty simple. People were putting their money. They had no expectation that Bankman Freed would start betting with that money on other cryptocurrencies. And then he lost it and he couldn't pay it back to the original depositors. So that's, it's not hard to understand what went on here. He broke the law. Right. And even, right. And, and apparently, when Bankman Freed was testifying, he said that jurors were even laughing and looking at each other during some of it, answering the question. So. Like you said, it, it just it's almost like he never had a shot going into this thing. Well, there was much there for him to It's got to be hard to promote yourself as a genius for years, make billions of dollars because you're a genius and people trust you, and then when you get caught, say, oh, I was very naive and inexperienced. Yeah, and, and look, that's what happened almost to Elizabeth Holmes in a little bit, right? I mean, she also went to trial and she tried to argue that I had this dream, my intentions were good, I never meant for people to lose money. And the jury there as well convicted her. So this argument of, you know, high profile uh, individuals that built up these kinds of companies to say, I didn't mean for this to happen. It's just not going to fight with the jury because of lost amount to investors. Is that ever a real defense? I didn't intend to do this. I, I, I didn't understand <laughs> that. I thought it, it matters whether the crime happened or not, not what you intended. Well, it, there is a criminal intent element in every charge. Sometimes it's specific intent, sometimes it's general intent, but there, there has to be some intent, otherwise it's called strict liability. And this wasn't a strict liability case. All they have to show was that he did things that he misrepresented to the investors. Whether he intended for them to lose money or not really doesn't matter. It's just, did he intentionally do things that he didn't say he was doing? And the jury said he did, and that's where he is today. Right. Now, what about these parents, Joseph Bankman and Barbara Freed? Uh, they apparently uh, benefited from all this with real estate and gifts, huh? Right. So the federal government will definitely be doing uh, tracing to see where all this money went. And if they benefit in any way from it, the government has the power, the power to do what's called asset forfeiture. And they can initiate those proceedings separately from the criminal one. But Sam Bankman-Fried, I see here in one story, he faces up to 100 years, possibly in prison as a maximum. What's the realistic sense? So that's, that's a very interesting question, because this judge is going to have a difficult time sentencing him. On one hand, he's facing all these years. So much money was lost to investors. And on the other hand, you have an individual who has no criminal record, is very bright, had a, had a future. And, you know, how do you strike the right balance? Not to overpunish, but not underpunish. Uh, I think he's definitely looking at somewhere in the 8 to 10 year mark. How much more? I'm not sure. All right, Lou, thank you so much for your input. We appreciate it. 
You got it, gentlemen. Have a nice weekend. Uh, uh, criminal defense attorney Lou Shapiro on the Sam Bankman Freed story. The founder of FTX found guilty. Do, yes. Do you know how many, what else was a big part of Sam Bankman Freed's scam? And a lot of journalists fell for this and politicians. He, he was part of this movement called effective altruism. Oh. That he wanted to make money in order to give it away and have some positive effect on the world. So he just gave, he was making the money, and then one day he was going to do all this good. And there's all kinds of sappy, uh, you know, uh, political type people and journalists and lefty progressive types who want to believe that could be. Want to believe that really human beings are wonderful. Somebody's that altruistic. That's yeah. right. And so that's how he snowed people. He got so many glowing magazine articles, so many glowing newspaper articles and television segments on him. Just He's the executive of the future that we need. Right. I'm fascinated how a guy like that snows everybody with his BS. I mean, this is a pretty, pretty basic crime. He took other people's money, bet with it, and lost it. Yeah, it says here they spent on technology startups, Bahamas real estate, political donations, and, as you just mentioned, charitable contributions. And the reason he was in the Bahamas was... It, it, it was to loose. avoid the laws. It was yes to avoid. A, I mean, yeah, because the regulations were so loose there. In fact, his dad suggested the Bahamas. His dad <laughs> was up to his neck in this, and so you know, his, his dad and mom are complete phony hypocrites. He was a phony hypocrite. For people swooned because effective altruism. Oh, how wonderful! How lovely! Not just another greedy billionaire. Except he was living a high life. He wasn't another greedy billionaire. And he just figured he was so smart he'd be able to outfox everybody, and and you know if he if if he got caught he was going to just uh, talk his way out of it. And he was a celebrity now. He was also one of the greatest donors to the Democratic Party. I, he was like he was big, he was, yeah. He was one of the top two or three donors overall to Joe Biden's campaign. All right, we'll be right back. Johnny Ken, KFI AM six forty live everywhere. iHeartRadio app. Effective altruism makes me <laughs> gag. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Ken Shampoo, Ken Shampoo, Hey, what's your own name? Shampop? Shampop, I don't know. It's a delicious drink. <laughs> Try a sip of Shampop. <laughs> Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio. <laughs> Whatever it is. Whoever Wait, you I'm, just, are. I'm trying to download the new Beatles song. You know what? No one ever dies or fades away. Thanks to artificial intelligence, there'll be a new John and Ken show in 100 years you can listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll go on forever. Did you hear how they put it together? Uh, I heard part of the story, right. right. Say, Something... it's, it's a really cool story. So John Lennon had all these uh, demo tapes that he made back in the 1970s, working out ideas for songs right. on a piano. And Yoko eventually turned them over to the rest of the Beatles. And in the mid-90s, uh, they added the other Beatle parts. Everybody was still alive. And they had a couple of hit records out of it oh. back in the mid-90s. They actually uh, did well on the charts. Mm. And uh, then I guess everybody thought they'd exhausted whatever. <laughs> whatever there was. Right? Whatever there was. <laughs> but they unearthed this one. Well, they had tried to work with this one back in the mid-90s, too. But there was a problem with the recording because Lennon's piano playing was overwhelming his voice. And there wasn't anything they could do about it, the way it was recorded. But with artificial intelligence, they were able to un extract his voice from the piano. <laughs> and they already had George Harrison's guitar work from their mid-90s attempt to make a song out of this. 
And now, in current time, they added uh, McCartney and, and, and Ringo Starr and uh, brought it all together. So you're, is Paul McCartney's part on this record new, or is this also new. audio from the 70s? No, no. It's new. Only oh. only Lennon's is from the 70s. It was his song that he first one of Plus his George Harrison albums. is long dead, too. George so. Harrison, his guitar work was in the mid-90s for this song, oh. but they couldn't work out the, the problem with Lennon's vocal. I see. And now with artificial intelligence, they were able to solve that puzzle, and now they added McCartney and, and Ringo Starr's work to it. And you have Now and Then. The yeah. name of the song. All right. Do you remember the other day, we were, you know, the usual Conway show coming on, he talks to us at the end of the show, and he said something to the effect of, Ken, I see you as kind of a Uber Eats Grubhub guy. Remember he said that? <laughs> right. And I distinctly said no. Uh, no. <laughs> and here's a good reason why this Utah story, we get the report from ABC4 in Salt Lake City. We are hearing from a man who claims he ordered a milkshake on Grubhub, but got a cup full of urine instead. Uh. Caleb Wood saying that he ordered a Chick-fil-A sandwich, fries, and a milkshake through Grubhub. Well, when he started eating his meal, he put the straw in his cup and says he took a sip and immediately realized he had gotten a cup of warm urine. Uh. Did you confuse the cups? Because, like, yeah. dude, this is, it's, a, it's half full of pee. Wood going on to say the driver admitted that he works long hours and doesn't take bathroom breaks, so he urinates in a cup. Wood saying Grubhub took four days to get back to him after he reported the incident. Refunded a portion of the order. I think I think it cost like 25 bucks, and they refunded 18 bucks. The, the actual cost of the food. They didn't refund like the delivery fee or the stamp that I gave or anything like that. ABC4 reached out to Grubhub as well for a response and in a statement they responded with saying in part, this is unacceptable and we have absolutely no tolerance for this or any type of misconduct on Grubhub. We took immediate action with the driver and ended his contract with us. <laughs> but well, why, why didn't they return the $7 delivery charge then? Yeah, really? <laughs> $7 to deliver a cup of urine? Boy. I, uh, oh, I mean, plus he spent almost 30 bucks on just what? Fries and a, a shake and a... Yeah. Is there a chicken sandwich in there? It says a meal, so maybe it's a chicken sandwich, all too. Right. All right, the guy has to pee in a cup, right? <laughs> yes. Why? See, they're under, they're under pressure to get to each okay. delivery. All right. But they don't have time to find a bathroom. But why did he deliver it? Deliver what? The cup of urine. Why didn't he leave it in the car? Didn't you listen to the story closely? No? I didn't There's get it. There's two cups in front of him. One is the man's drink and one is the cup of urine. The milkshake versus the urine. He picked up the urine cup by mistake and walked up to the door. You can't tell a milkshake from warm urine? The milkshake is cold. It had been a long day. The, cup, was for, the cup of urine was from the same restaurant as the milkshake, too? It's I don't a, know. It just says a styrofoam cup. But milkshake now styrofoam, right? Doesn't that make things uh, they don't they don't milkshakes. feel so hot when you milkshakes usually come in tall cups, and they're cold. The you urine think he cup. did this on purpose as a prank? See if this guy drinks my pee. Unless, unless he was on mushrooms, I can't imagine. He said he was tired, and you know, yeah, if he... it was a cup of lemonade, I could see. But I don't. I'm not buying this. That it was a, a mistake. You have to have a place in the car where the pee cup goes far away from the place where the food delivery. And why would you cup. pay thirty bucks for like cheap? Oh, that's what I can't believe. I, I I don't I don't use these because you know what they do though, DoorDash, Uber Eats, all of them. They offer you all sorts of discounts because they realize that this whole delivery business is can be expensive. 
when you when you think about it because you got to pay the tip and you got to pay the delivery charge. So they they often offer you deals. That's how they get people to a, you know, a, if you go to certain restaurants and do this delivery, they give you twenty percent off or something. A couple of times I looked at doing this, mm. I got to the final price and it was double. I thought your kids did this, don't they? My kids do it. Yeah, I don't do. though. You know, I've occasionally had a slice of pizza if somebody else ordered it, but I, I, I have not done my own order for delivery in years because right. it was after that French fry story came out. I think it was the David guy, Goldstein's story. The guy eating the French fries. The guy yeah. eating the French fries. That that story alone said, ah, I'm not doing yeah, this. Yeah, that's nothing compared to this. Because The one that got me was the guy that apparently was caught on video at the ring doorbell camera taking a sip out of the guy's milkshake before he handed it over. Okay. I don't like that either. That too, yeah. So I don't, and I've, I've met some of these guys at the door when they deliver my son's stuff. It's like, come on. I mean. But we don't really know what's going on behind, uh, you know, in the kitchens either, which grosses me out. Yeah, you got to just forget that. No, I know. I know. There's really nothing you can do. I'm not going to pay an extra service charge for it. No. And I don't, I, I mean, don't. I've probably eaten a plate of boogers, but I try not <laughs> to think about it. And I, I, I hate having to check the pizza for unwanted toppings. Oh, come on. Oh, oh. <laughs> Anything in mind specifically? <laughs> Are you sure this is sausage? Uh, oh, no. Is, is that a really dressing you put on there? Oh, yeah. God. This is disgusting, guys. Is this ranch? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've had our fun. Uh, we, we got, uh, we're just playing gross the girl out. And you, you succeeded. <laughs> Welcome back to eighth grade. And we're on the 3 o'clock hour on Friday, so we'll get a visit from the Moist Line people at 320 at the end of the show around 350. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. Deborah Mark, live in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.